Hello everyone, this is Don Jurgler, and welcome to the Insuring Cannabis Podcast, a bi-monthly trip into the intersection of two industries that couldn't be more different. In deference to the disparity between the cannabis and insurance industries I eternally refer to in my aspiring-to-be-witty intro, there's one substantial similarity between the two. Like insurance, the oversight and regulation of cannabis is a state-by-state endeavor, more necessarily for cannabis. Within that noteworthy parallel is another resemblance. Both industries have an organization comprised of a group of regulators who come together to, among other things, come up with good model regulations and best practices for individual regulators to follow if they so choose. In the insurance industry, that's the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, NAIC. Cannabis has CANRA. The Cannabis Regulators Association, at just about two years old, is a nonpartisan, nonprofit group made up of more than three dozen states and territories where adult use or medical marijuana is legal. They're new, but they're an important group to watch and to get to know. That's true all the more for people within and serving the cannabis industry who are interested in all things regulation and compliance. For an intro into the world of CANRA, I spoke with the group's top two people, Jillian Schauer, Executive Director, and Tyler Klimas, CANRA's President and the Executive Director of the National Cannabis Compliance Board. During our conversation, they offered a handle on what's happening at CANRA, we spoke about model regulations, and they gave me a kind of state of cannabis regulation report. Hey, thanks guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, let's talk about CANRA for a bit. Uh, What's it about? Who's part of it? Goals? Yeah. um, Thanks again for having us on. Um, I, you know, I'll start us off and I think Tyler as a regulator can jump in and provide his perspective um, as well. Tyler is a member in addition to being our president. So CANRA is about two years old. We're a nonpartisan, nonprofit 501c4 organization. And we were not set up as an advocacy organization. We were really set up to convene, to educate and to support agencies, government agencies involved in regulating cannabis. So our members are more than 40 states and territories involved in cannabis regulation. Uh, We typically convene everybody from the actual regulatory agency to any ancillary agencies that might be involved, you know, public health, departments of transportation, departments of revenue, environment, et cetera. Um, And our goal is, is to bring folks together to share best practices, to troubleshoot challenging areas, Um, to work with national stakeholders. We work a lot with U.S. federal agencies. We work with international governments. Uh, We try to be a voice for regulators where we can and to help advance um, what we're seeing in the field in terms of regulation by bringing folks together to talk about that. Well, cannabis regulations vary by state, just like insurance regulations do. So a lot of our uh, readers or listeners can uh, relate to that. What uh, What regulations are most evolved where? Now, what states are just getting regulations off the ground? What states are more advanced in their regulations formation and implementation? I mean, I could talk a little bit about this. You know, so obviously there's there's the evolution of 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 legal cannabis marketplaces, both medical and adult use. And so, you know, and, and that's kind of the beauty of CANRA as well. We've got those states that kind of blaze the trail, right? Your Colorados, your Oregons, and your Washingtons. And then you had states kind of in the next tranche, you know, Nevada is one of those, you've got your Michigans and your Massachusetts and so on and, and, and so forth. Um, you know, and, and it's, 
you know, we all steal from each other. And I think that's that's very important. I think most regulatory structures in most states that have, you know, somewhat uh, launched uh, cannabis marketplaces are, are are in pretty good shape. And again, because it's we're able to learn from from the states that that came before us. And then Canra provides that opportunity for all of us to to meet. And, you know, we're the boots on the ground experience here and and we steal from each other all the time. And I think that's what makes just generally speaking nationwide uh, the regulations around legal cannabis marketplaces um, uh, pretty good. And Don, I would I would jump in and say I think we're probably in you know what many would characterize as sort of legalization 2.0 or maybe even 3.0. I think the early states that Tyler alluded to, they really came at this with a different regulatory perspective. They were really focused on how can we avoid federal interference, how can we adhere to the coal memo, um, and the concerns about the feds coming in and shutting down an entire marketplace are are you know, really on the sidelines now that we have so many states that are in this space. We've also, you know, over the last 10 years, we've had the vaping lung injury outbreak, which I think really brought consumer safety into focus. And we've had a number of studies that have suggested that more is needed in terms of equity, that it's insufficient to expect that legalization alone will repair the past harms of the war on drugs. And so I think the new batch of states that we've seen come into the fold are taking some different approaches in policy right out the gate to protect consumer safety, to promote equity. And we're seeing some of those original states start to adapt and borrow some of what some of the new states are doing. Um, You know, I'm often asked which state does this perfectly. And I think every state regulator would be the first to raise their hand and say, no state is perfect. States are experimenting, they're using policy in different ways. And it's really important that we're studying the impacts of of different policy approaches to get a better sense of where best practice exists. And that's a big part of why CANRA exists. So we hope that that will continue to happen and that we'll get closer and closer to understanding what policy leads to what outcome or or impact and um, be able to better help states sort of drive their state where they want it to be. Well, what sectors of the industry uh, need more regulations or more work, agriculture, distribution, retail? Yeah, I can throw some out. And then, you know, again, Tyler, being being a regulator in a state, I'm sure has a lot of specific examples to illustrate these. Uh, I think there are a number of areas where regulators know that we need to advance and do better. A big one is hemp. In the last you know, few years, we've seen hemp-derived products really come onto the scene and they are regulated in a very different way than cannabis. Um, Some states have added state regulation, but on the federal level, we have interstate commerce for hemp without a federal regulatory framework for hemp-derived products. And that's created a lot of challenge for state regulators who are trying to stand up regulated markets for cannabis and seeing these hemp products that are you know, potentially posing huge consumer safety risks that are not subject to the same testing requirements, packaging and labeling requirements, um, tax requirements, and and it does create challenge for the protection of consumer safety and the promotion of a regulated market. So we spend a lot of time at Canra talking about uh, hemp-derived products, um, you know, that is the products coming from the plant, not the plant itself, that can be impairing, that might... Um, you know, warrant regulations that are similar to what we see for cannabis and how to go about that. Um, Lab testing and consumer safety, I think, is another big bucket that we have talked a lot about. Um, We do see a wide variety of approaches 
to lab testing across states. And I think, you know, regulators openly acknowledge that that's an area where there should be harmonization, but there are a lot of challenges to harmonizing policy. It's never as simple as a group of regulators saying, we all think we should do it this way. Um, you know, most policy these days is made by state legislatures and, you know, there are all sorts of political uh, calculations behind the policies that exist in states, but lab testing is an area where we definitely need more work and the third party lab testing system does continue to pose challenges for states that we talk a lot about. And then the last one is equity and trying to figure out what does it really mean to support equity in the context of cannabis regulation. Um, you know, we have generally at CANRA talked about as many advocacy groups have equity in terms of equity in the marketplace. Um, you know, equity and support for communities that have been disproportionately harmed by the war on drugs and equity in terms of expungements. And regulators have the most uh, engagement in equity in the marketplace. And we've seen states try a lot of different things. But again, it's it's early to know um, what's not working and how to make it better. So that's a, another area where we spend a lot of time um, trying to figure out how we can improve. Tyler, I don't know if you want to add specific examples on any of those from your experience in Nevada. I mean, just listening to you detail that, and I think, Don, you know, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners who are engaged in the cannabis industry know, just acknowledging how complicated uh, this industry is and how new it still is and um, and the health and safety issues that surround it. Um, you know, for some, some stateside examples, um, you, you know, a, a lot of what we deal with and, and the regulations that we're working on that need more work have to deal with 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 issues that you know if it if if it was legal at the federal level there'd be a, a you know there would be research uh, around this and it would make our job a lot easier but that doesn't exist as we sit here now and so it's left to the states to kind of um do their due diligence and and come up with uh you know the best framework where they can examples are like around remediation techniques is something that Nevada is working on right now and remediation on on food products happens all over remediation on you know, prescription drugs happens all the time, but with cannabis and a product that you're actually smoking and inhaling, um, that research doesn't exist. Uh, another example is, you know, cultivation techniques and, and quote unquote, organic growing methods. Um, you know, nothing in the cannabis world can be certified organic. It doesn't exist because there's no framework for that. And so those are kind of the, the minutia issues that, that we deal with on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work from a lot of different stakeholders to put, uh, you know, to put good regulations around those forward. Yeah, Tyler, I'm glad you mentioned the the fact that policy is so ahead of the research. I, I think that really complicates all of the issues I highlighted, you know, lab testing, just to come back to that one. There's so many different matrices and types of cannabis products. You know, we talk about regulating cannabis, but it's not just one thing. And so, Truly, that's an area where the science is happening as we speak. And, you know, that's another area where it's important for states to be sharing openly, um, you know, how's a certain method working? You know, how how is lab certification working? You know, how can we improve? So I think the state collective and collaborative that comes out of CANRA is even more important because we don't have as much science to inform policy as we really need and as regulators would like to see. Well, it sounds like you're saying uh, more study and research is needed, and that's great. How would you describe the state of cannabis regulation? Say in a few words, uh, lots of work to be done, still evolving. You know, there's there's still evolving. Obviously, this this whole industry is is still evolving. But I think the regulations, and you know, certainly in Nevada, I think we have to acknowledge that they're 
they're battle tested. I love that word. And they're battle tested every single day. Um, You know, every day there's something new. The science evolves, you know, the methods around cultivation and production evolve. And, and we as state regulators, and even as CANRA collectively, we put good regulations in place. um, And, and then we, we put them into practice. And then we have an industry here that's not shy. They're very vocal, which is not a bad thing. And they will test those regulations and, you know, you just have to simply acknowledge that we're all um, still working this out, working how it should be regulated, the way it should be regulated, how our regulations should look, how they can adapt. Um, but again, uh, I think, you know, collectively, there are some great frameworks in place and, uh, um, you know, we'll continue to evolve these. I was uh, and I was having a conversation with my 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 chief investigator actually earlier this week, and we were talking about mature marketplaces. And I, I think we have to acknowledge I don't think there is a mature cannabis marketplace in this world. Um, and I think we're all maturing, and and there are some that are are you know farther down the road than than others. But I say that, and I think everybody should feel uh, I don't know a level of comfort in saying that because we all still are working out. Um, the ins and outs and sharpening the edges of, 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 of cannabis regulation nationwide. And Tyler, I, I love that you talked about the feedback process because I think that's so important. It's important to each individual state. It's important for CANRA. Um, it's important to get you know feedback from all of the groups that have opinions in, uh, in the area of cannabis regulation because that's one way that we can improve on things in the absence of research is hearing from people who are impacted on the ground by the regulations, the industry, public health and safety, advocacy groups. And I've been really heartened by the fact that, you know, of all the states that I'm privileged to work with, they all have this very open door approach to hearing from any stakeholders. And we've tried to adopt the same thing at camera as well on a national level, um, you know, taking meetings and calls from any organization that has something that they think regulators should be hearing about. Um, So I do think that feedback loop is of critical importance as the evolution in policy continues to happen. Well, I know, Tyler, you mentioned the framework, uh, uh, and that that was my next question. I was going to ask about model regulations. Over in the insurance industry, they have the National Association of Insurance Commissioners who often announce uh, that some model regulations are going to be developed or they're in the works and they have committees developing regulations in all these areas, you know, addressing climate change, ride sharing, any, all emerging industries and and other other areas. Um, Can you guys uh, give me kind of an idea of of what some model regulations being developed are? Yeah, I think, you know, that has always been a goal of CANRA to, to bring states together to talk about best practice and model regulations. As I alluded to before, um, I've been surprised at how challenging it is because it's not as simple as getting a bunch of regulators together again to say this is how it should be done. There are lots of different considerations that happen in states and that have resulted in states having different policy. But with that said, we we do continue to work at CANRA on developing best practices and model regulations. This year, we'll be working on some model regulations for hemp, um, especially regulations that might inform some of the federal discussions that will be happening around the reauthorization of the farm bill. Um, We have conversations ongoing about interstate commerce. Um, I wouldn't say I would call those model regulations, but discussions about how states will need to 
fit things together to make interstate commerce work and where things will need to be harmonized. And if harmonization cannot happen, where workarounds might be needed. And then as we talked about earlier, lab testing, that's an area where we've we've had a lot of discussion, um, some early white papers that are internal only about kind of best, best practices in the lab testing arena. So those are a few of the areas that we continue to talk about. And um, I do think that in due time, we will have some model regulations that are more public than internal, but at present, they've mostly been internal to try to sort of help states think about an issue. Tyler, I don't know if you want to add anything about the the challenge of of getting harmonization in the current climate. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's getting the right people in the room and just simply the science and and, and the kind of uh, backup that you need. But I, I think it's a great space for Canada. It's what we've tried to design this organization to be able to do. And so, you know, hopefully even if there is federal action, you know, Canada is 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 again the the stakeholder that that probably has the most or not probably has the most experience, you know, working at uh, at the ground level. So I think it's a great spot. It's something we're gonna work towards with Canada. Well, insurers are big on risk and compliance, which is kind of what we've been talking about here. What can be said about risk and compliance in the cannabis industry from a regulator's point of view? We have a um, we have a saying around the cannabis compliance board here, and it, and it comes from one of our founding board members. He was a former chief gaming regulator, which gaming regulation in Nevada is is the gold standard worldwide. He says. You know, if you don't like being in compliance, then you're really not going to like not being in compliance. And uh, that's something that, that that we feel very, very important, uh, or we feel it's very important here. Compliance in itself is is very important. And I think the risk, when you're talking about risks, I mean, there's just inherent risks in the cannabis industry right now. It's the newness of uh, of this industry. There's components, obviously, you know, a lot of the transactions uh, are still large-scale cash-based transactions. So when you're talking about AML risks, I mean, that's the calling card for that. And we're seeing, you know, more and more licensees have some kind of access to to banking, and that certainly has has helped. But um, it's not as widespread as it should be. And again, we still see very, very, uh, you know, uh, large, uh, you know, cash-based uh, businesses and, and transactions happening, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of risk in in there. And there's risks about minors that we still take very seriously here. So our kids getting a hold of these these products, and then there's there's still you know criminal elements throughout the cannabis industry, kind of given you know its pathway. And you know we're seeing a lot of that move more out of the regulated market into the unregulated. Um, market, but that in itself is an issue, the the illicit market and what that's doing to our regulated markets. Um, so again, it goes back to, you know, for our licensees and our regulated licensees, how important compliance is. Uh, it's got to be built into your operating procedures. Um, and, you know, you've got to place a priority on it. And for licensees, and it's, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult to be regulated, but if you do focus on it, um, and you know your regulatory body focuses on it. I mean, it's it's also helpful for us to weed out those individuals that just uh, should not be in this industry and and and, and don't have a place for it, um, and and they don't focus on compliance. And so it helps twofold um, across our frameworks, and certainly in the state of Nevada. And I think it's it's put Nevada um, certainly in a in, in a place to to become the gold standard uh, as we sit here now. 
And Tyler, looking across the country, you know, I think uh, compliance in the regulated market is generally pretty high, especially if we think about something like sales to minors. You know, if you compare the cannabis co industry compliance with, you know, other industries, it's it's very high, a very high level of compliance. I think where we have to juxtapose the regulated cannabis industry is with hemp. So, you know, we have these really detailed compliance schemes on the regulated cannabis side. And again, in most states, those do not exist for hemp. And so um, there's there's not a requirement to adhere to, you know, adult-only sales or to comply with certain packaging and labeling or testing. Um, and that's part of the reason why we've spent so much time at CANRA talking about how to better address hemp, because it does create this very different approach to the regulation of what is effectively the same plant. So um, I think it's interesting to to look at what's happened with compliance and cannabis and then juxtapose that with what we see for hemp. And again, we hope that things like the reauthorization of the farm bill will put more of a compliance framework over hemp so that um, consumers have the same certainty that they should have with regulated cannabis, that it's a safe and tested product, that it's being sold in um, you know compliant, appropriate ways. Well, I think you guys have dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's that I had. So I want to thank you both for being here. This is really great information for our listeners. Yeah, thanks for having us, Don. I hope I hope your listeners are left with a better understanding of CANRA uh, with the role that we are playing and hope to continue to play in terms of convening and supporting agencies that are involved in the regulation of can cannabis, the importance that we view, you know, in terms of partnership and stakeholders. Um, we hope that we will be a central organization in creating a foundation as federal changes evolve and um, the industry evolves. And grateful to you for wanting to take some time and hear more from us. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insuring Cannabis Podcast. You can find other episodes from this series by visiting insurancejournal.tv. Until next time, I'm Don Jurgler.